such a treat to be here at the evening. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I know. Um, the morning's great. It's great. But you guys, it's so good. I love worshipping with you and just being here among you. So thanks for giving me, not that you have given me the stage, they've given me the stage, but we're going to go for it. So two things you need to know about me. Um, I'm actually really excited that it's Remembrance Day next Sunday. Anyone like a good one minute silence? No? I love it. I just love poppies and I just love remembering like people coming together and fighting for the common good. Yes. Um, I did have a membership to the Imperial War Museum for one year and I hit up all of them and it was great. <laughs> the second thing you need to know about me is I have got the best job in the world and I'm going to tell you why that is in a couple of minutes. I would like to read my favorite story about Jesus from the Bible, and it's from Mark chapter 5, uh, 1 to 15. So let me read this. I don't actually have a Bible. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> we love the Word of God. It's fine. He, he's t- I've, I've got faith in this guy. He's going to nail it. So. <laughs> they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now he had a great herd of pigs that was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus, this is it, this is the bit, And they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. You might think this is a bit of a random story. (laughs) Any vegetarians? Sorry. (laughs) I love this story because this guy had issues, right? Flippin' it! 
sick. Can you imagine any kind of ailment that was not plaguing this guy? And it all stemmed from this terrible demonic possession that Satan had sent into him to take this guy out. And it, I mean, it says in that story that people were trying to bind him up because he was shouting and screaming and yelling at people and probably being pretty violent. They tried to chain him and he broke the chains like these demons gave him supernatural strength to do what no human person could do. But the good news is Jesus had way more power even than all of those demons. We do not need to be afraid of anything because Jesus has authority even to get rid of these supernatural powers. And if you're wondering if demons are real and if um, the power of Satan is, is something that is real and active in our lives, then guys, it is. It really is. But we have a savior who is stronger, so we do not need to fear. So from this spiritual issue, this guy um, was displaying all kinds of interesting mental health conditions. He was cutting himself, and he was up night and day, screaming out. I mean, he'd chosen to live in the tombs, fairly isolated, fairly dark and depressing place to be. And can you imagine people coming to visit him and hang out? Probs not. This guy was alone. <laughs> he was really, really lonely. He was by himself. Economically probably not getting on so well career-wise. Um, I, I guess people came and brought him food as an act of generosity towards him, but he was not able to generate for himself any kind of life. He had no expectation upon him. He had no purpose. And you can just imagine the physical state of this poor guy, cutting himself, breaking chains, alone, in tombs, screaming out day and night, he must have been a complete wreck. And I love this story because that last verse I read, he was there sitting with Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And what that means for me is if Jesus can do that for him, Jesus can do anything for anyone. As we meet people who've got problems, we can read that story and just get so much faith built up in us. Jesus can do it. He sent a legion of demons out of this guy until he was sitting clothed in his right mind. He had peace enough just to be there. That is absolutely amazing. What a saviour we have. What a mighty Jesus that we have. And this same authority that he had on that day that is the Holy Spirit today. That is who we have. That is the confidence that we have as we step into any situation. We have authority in Jesus by the Spirit. And that is amazing. Any kind of work or ministry or loving people that you go into, remember this story. Remember that he can do absolutely anything. So the kind of stuff that we do here at Grace Church, you'll see your flyer on the seat, and you might be wondering what on earth it's doing there, but I just want you to have a quick scan, because Grace Church is doing stuff every single day of the week that we can invite people back to, and I want you to grab this one, grab a couple more if you want to, and as you see people out and about in Nottingham, and you think, 
hey, they look like they might be a bit isolated, or they might be struggling with some kind of issues, or they might have some needs in their life, then you can just give this to them. And we're open and we're ready to meet people, to see them, like Jesus saw that guy, to know them and to love them. So my job, best job in the world, would you like to know why? It starts with Chris and it ends with Barton. <laughs> uh, and actually, it's because <laughs> I believe that God has made each one of us completely unique and distinct. Did you know that in you, God has thought really long and hard about your personality and about the skills that you have and about the stuff that you care about and the stuff that you don't care about and the interests that you have and the people that you click with. And he has meshed you together specifically and uniquely because he wants you like that and he really likes you like that. And because you alone specifically, uniquely, will go and know and love specific and unique people that he puts in your path. And for me, um, the, I'm just made up with a whole ton of like passion for people who are in need. And so my job is the best job in the world because I just get to do that absolutely tons, which is amazing. So I just want to run you through a couple of the things that there are on your flyers. Um, we run a social hub. Some of you may have heard about this, and this is a drop-in cafe. It's a food bank where people can collect parcels and baby basics parcels as well. And if you can imagine um, that you find yourself in a place where you've got nothing and you're trying to get some money from benefits or whatever and it's not going to come through for three weeks yet and you're literally like, I don't understand how this happened. We get a lot of people like that who come into the food bank and cannot understand what has happened in their lives. And they're met by people with a smile and some toast and some coffee and a listening ear, people who want to know them and hear their story and really love them and help them get from A to B. And we also have just like a whole gang of people who just enjoy being around us. And so they come back week after week and it's an amazing community there. And the other thing is the 12 o'clock service. But before I tell you about that, which is my absolute fave, I just want to tell you a wee little story. Is that OK? Yeah. yeah. OK. <laughs> so I came to Grace Church as a student like 150 years ago <laughs> and um, was part of the church here for a couple of years and then moved away. And God, really out of the blue, told me to go and live in Uganda for a bit. Not expecting that, bit of a curve, but okay. So I was there for a year and a half. And I think the, the seeds of, of loving people who might be kind of on the outside was already in me. But I met two people in particular while I was in Uganda, and it just changed something in my heart that I will never forget and never recover from, and I'm glad for it. So he's two people. One was called Poster Man, which is my name for him. And the second one is a boy called Richard. And uh, Poster Man, um, he, he sat in a particular place every day. 
And um, he was either just begging for money or he was selling posters. I bought some really random stuff <laughs> off of him. <laughs> but um, he had like incredible deformities that I couldn't actually work out what was going on with his legs. And he was nonverbal. But when he saw me coming, he would beam. And um, we couldn't really chat, but there was communication happening. And he would gesture, and I would just chat at him. And he would smile and beam. And then I'd buy a random angel poster off him or something. And um, God just did something in my heart as I walked by him and saw him day by day. Because this guy, like, he was homeless. Some of his buddies would come and bring him to that spot every day to beg or sell posters and then take him to wherever it was that he was sleeping. And that was his life. And I just imagined what his life could look like. When we read Mark 5, what could he be like? And if he knows Jesus, when he gets to heaven, he will stand on two strong legs and he will jump around and he will sing with the voice that he's never had his praises to God and he will be utterly transformed. And that is amazing. God just showed me so vividly, like, this is who he is. This is who I made him to be. And getting to know him a tiny bit and just filling, God filling my heart with love was, um, yeah, it was undoable. So that was Posterman. And then Richard, Richardie, he was um, a 14-year-old street boy. I did some volunteering through the church with street kids. There was about 40 or so who would come on a Saturday morning, but there was about three or 400 overall. And um, Richard had sniffed quite a lot of um, airplane fuel and um, it had messed with his head a little bit. And he was just a gentle boy, really, kind of not entirely with it. But I remember sitting one day and he just took my hand and he put it against his cheek and just did this. And again, it was like, oh, oh gosh, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Something's happened to you. And I got to know Richard over the year and a half that I was there. And um, there was one particular day where we were walking down a street in Kampala. And um, I'm a finger biter. Um, I get all raggedy because I'm just chewing away. And um, I remember I was walking along with Richard and I spotted some blood on his face and I just wiped it off and then looked to my hand and was like, ooh, <laughs> oh, uh, you know, it's a real problem in Uganda in particular, kind of the sorts of things that can be around and transmitted and stuff. And I just had a moment of, oh, what if, um, what if that was the wrong thing to do? And you, um, you have to wait a couple of weeks before you go to the doctor and get tested for anything really, really nasty. But during that time, I wasn't really worried. It was only like it was going to be fine. But I just thought, OK, what, what if something did happen here? What if my life was going to be a little bit shorter and a little bit not what I expected it to be? What would I want to do? What would I want God to do in me? and through me, and I came up with this long list of very dramatic statements of how I was going to take the world, but one of them was this. I would find the most kingdom-building, effective job possible and work at it with all my heart. 
And what's amazing is it doesn't matter if you're in Uganda or in Nottingham to be able to actually do that because God's pieced us together and he knows us and he loves us and he knows who he has made us to know and to love as well. And so it's just amazing. I've got the best job in the world because I actually cannot think of anything better than what I'm doing now. A really special verse to me is in um, Matthew 25, where Jesus is talking to the disciples and saying to them, hey, do you remember when you fed me and gave me something to drink and gave me clothes and gave me shelter? And they're like, "Mm -hmm. nope, can't really remember when we did that, Lord. Uh, What? Hmm?" And he said, whenever you do anything for anyone, you've done it for me. Like Jesus aligns himself with the poor and whatever we do, he is like, thanks, that was worship to me. And um, Mother Teresa, she once said that in the poor, that is Jesus in his most distressing disguise. And I think of that often just when we're, we're working with different people, like this is for him Like, we know and we love the person in front of us, but this is also for him as well, and that's an amazing privilege to be able to worship him. And so the the least of these looks different for all of us and in different contexts. And for me here in Nottingham, I thought the least of these, okay, the people that people really don't want to know, maybe people out of prison, maybe people out of prison for bad reasons, You face an awful lot of closed doors when you've got a background in stuff that people don't want to know about and they don't want to engage with you on the least of these. So our our 12 o'clock service is for the least of these. Not only. um, Lots of different adults come, and that's wonderful. But this is an open door of Grace Church saying, whoever you are, you are welcome here. You can worship God here. You can make friends here. You can join a small group here. You can grow in your discipleship here. We want to know you. We want to baptize you. We want to see you grow and flourish in your relationship with God. So the least of these, we know them. This is your church. This is amazing. Take a flyer, invite someone along. I've talked enough. You probably want to hear from some other people who have a story with how they have got involved in knowing and loving different people as well. So if you're one of the four, do you want to come up and we shall warmly applaud you to the stage. So I've asked... Oh, oh, ripple. (laughs) I've asked these guys just to chat for a couple of minutes about their story with how they're involved with stuff that we're running and what they would love to see happen. Are you going to kick off? Shall I go first? What? Oh, no, it's me. Um, Yeah, so I... Those of you who don't know me, I'm on staff here as well, and... um, my role here is I oversee worship, communication, and obviously look after our evening congregation. Um, and I've been on staff for a few years, and when, I guess it was a couple of years ago, um, a guy in the morning meeting uh, called Pete Corpa, some of you might know him, he came and grabbed me on one Sunday, and um, he was like, oh, like, Chris, I want to chat to you about something, and I was like, sure. And he basically outlined this opportunity to go uh, into prison um, with him to 
be part of it, I guess, leading a little sort of like Bible study group with a little bit of worship. He was like, I can do a bit of guitar playing, but I'd love someone better than me to come and do it properly. I was like, sure. Um, but to be honest, and, being, and I'm being totally frank, like everything in me was so reluctant. And I would not put myself in the category of someone like Lindsay, who has got a heartbeat for this stuff every single day. And it's not to say that I'd write myself off from it. Um, and I know that as a Christian, I'm called to love those around me. But honestly, that opportunity, I was like, Ugh. I basically was like, I think I have to because it's kind of my job to like help people in worship stuff. So I was like, sure. And um, so I began going in uh, like once a month um, with Pete into um, one of the prisons in Nottingham. And um, it's pretty surreal. I've never been into a prison before. I've seen lots of films. It's not quite like the films. Um, so I went in with my guitar and just went in every single month with Pete um, and led a bit of worship with some of these guys. And every single time, as it was coming up in my diary, I was like, oh, flipping heck, like, that's this week. And every single time, I was really reluctant. Um, but then I went, and you're in a room with a bunch of men who I don't know. I know nothing about their story at all. And all I'm there to do is to chat to them about Jesus and somehow try and lift their eyes to him by singing some songs and praying for stuff. And every single time I came out, I was like, man, that was so good. Not necessarily because it went well or because it was amazing or because loads of stuff happened, but just because you're like, here's some guys that no one else is chatting to about Jesus. And no one else, apart from maybe Pete, is going to lead them in a time of worship because they're just the ones that are the least of these, right? They're the ones that society forgets. And um, so that's when I started doing that. And um, that was a, a real sort of thrown in the deep end thing for me. And then the 12 o'clock service started happening, which Lindsay and the team set up here, which those of you who don't know, it's our midweek Wednesday service, um, as Lindsay just described, sort of catering for those that maybe can't come on Sundays and opening the doors open for those kinds of people and, and others. And Basically, I had exactly the same story. And Lindsay was like, oh, do you want to like, come and lead some worship? I was like, oh. <laughs> the short answer is like, no, basically. And like, I'm looking at my diary, and I'm like, I'm really busy. And I've got lots of other things to do. But I know it's kind of my job to like, lead worship. So I guess I should. And um, that was kind of how it started, wasn't it, really? Like, me and Rick would take it every other week. And Rick would do one week, and I'd lead worship the next. And again, like, I wasn't like, super lit up about the prospects of doing it, necessarily. Um, but... I began to lead worship at the 12 o'clock service, and lo and behold, began to kind of enjoy it and get to know some of the people that came to church on a Wednesday. And now I love it. To be honest, I still get the sort of reluctance every time it comes up because I'm like, oh, there are other things that I'm busy with and whatever. And we all get that in life, right? That there's other things that get in the way. But every time it comes up and afterwards, I'm always like, you know what, that was so good, just chatting to these people that... Again, most other people wouldn't. And like, I don't know how often they get to engage in a service like that and really feel part of something. And the, the highlight for me, and I guess like my journey has come to a head when we had our anniversary Wednesday. You know, we had anniversary Sunday. We did it on the Wednesday as well. And um, it was great. We got to hear from um, a few of the guys and girls that have been part of the, the 12 o'clock service and hear their stories. And... Um, Honestly, just hearing them say like, that they love this church and what God's done in their life and the freedom they've got and the friendship they've got. Just stories of like people saying, I've never been chatted to. No one ever talks to me. People always judge me. But here, 
No one does judge me, and people do talk to me just because they want to, because they like me, they have a chat. I just think, man, this is amazing. And it, I'm on a bit of a like tug of war, I think, with my heart, where every single time it comes up, I'm still reluctant. And the busyness of life still kind of wants to get in the way. But every time I do it, God does something in my heart and tugs me the other way. It's like, look, you're doing this for me because I want to love these people and I've chosen you and the rest of this church to be part of that. I just think it's really cool. And um, it's a great opportunity. And I love, some, there's some of these guys here tonight. I love them. It's so much fun doing Wednesday and um, seeing them go on their journey with Jesus. And to be honest, my, we, had a, we were at a conference earlier this week and some, some guy chatted to us and he was like, what's the most exciting thing going on in your church at the moment? Of which you could answer to lots of things, but I genuinely think 12 o'clock is one of the, certainly the top most exciting things that we've got going on because the scope is absolutely massive. So I would love to see, I think like my dream would be to see that, at the moment it's like, what, 30-ish people, I guess, on a Wednesday? Why can't that be like this? Like a room full of people on a Wednesday lunchtime, like worshipping Jesus like we do and knowing him and having a relationship with other people. That's what I would love to see, people who can't come to other things, who aren't welcome at other things because society says no, getting a part of a, a church service on a Wednesday and um, finding community and hope and love there. That's kind of what I want to see. And God is using me despite all of my reluctance. <laughs> so I bet there's loads of you out there that are the same. And you're like, oh, that's not me. There are some other people who have got that heart. I'm like, rubbish. God still wants to use you and use you in, in your way, how you're unique to. So um, come and get involved. Thanks. <clears throat> You can sit if you want, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. Uh, Adrian? Yeah, hi. Um, (laughs) What are you involved in doing? Yeah, um, I volunteer at the social hub, um, mostly on Mondays, and also at um, the traffic road service on Wednesday. Chris here is my boss um, on Wednesday. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Um, How did you get into this? For me, it's exactly what Chris said. I didn't want to be involved when I first... <laughs> I'm picking the wrong people. <laughs> um, I'm from Singapore, and Singapore is um, a really prosperous country. Um, we have, I think, the highest housing prices in the world. We are a very rich nation. Um, GDP per capita is among the highest in the world, so conclusion, very wealthy. We also have um, a very efficient government, the end result of that is that I, I grew up really believing that poor people were poor because it was their fault and their choice. And when I came here as well, um, I brought that same mindset with um, homeless people. I thought that they were struggling because um, they had caused it in their own way. So I didn't want to get involved. And, but I got baptized in March and God started reminding me of the homeless people that I saw um, I, while walking through the city, and I always felt like pity for them and fear and never ever approached them. But um, yeah, at first again I said to God, no, I'm, I'm not doing this. And you know, I'm one person and God is God. So in May, <laughs> he reminded me again. Um, I told a few people, they linked me up um, with someone else and I walked into Hub on, on a Thursday morning. Yeah. And I remember at my first um, hub, I was supposed to be on like just chatting duty, essentially grab hot, grab hot drink and just chat, which is a really great like team thing. Um, and I just remember being 
unable to interact with anyone to process things because I was in shock that there were so many people, so of the welcome area was full. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is maybe maybe out of every, like out of every thousand or every hundred homeless people, maybe only one is here and already we are full when Hub opened up. And these are sort of real people with real issues and there are just so many more of them, more of them out there. Yeah, and God really moved my heart. And he began to show me as I came um, week after week that yes, you know, these were people who were fairly tough, fairly weird as well. Like I learned about Marmite and correct ways to brew like tea and <laughs> coffee and yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> people that I, I wouldn't understand, that I normally wouldn't interact with, but these people knew two things. They knew that they needed a change in their lives, and they knew that here, we knew a God that answered prayer, and they wanted that. Mm. And it's just been my privilege to see how they respond to God, how they want more and more of Him, even when they don't really see the change in their lives yet. So what I want to see more of is just... Um, people wanting more of God in their lives, getting baptized, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, praying for each other. Yeah, that's what I want to see. Wow, that's great. <laughs> um, just a minute or two, is that all right, Chris? Sure. Just as an aside, we're hoping to baptize six people at 12 o'clock. <laughs> Um, so unlike the boys, I actually have always had a heart for the home. Yay! <laughs> One. Um, Great. When I was younger, I always just uh, felt so compassionate for people that are on the street. I just thought how it's so wrong, you know, that people don't have their basic needs. And I used to sometimes just sit and my mum would be like, what are you doing? But my heart would go out to them and when I could, I'd buy them like some food and if I could like give them money but I never felt like it was enough because I thought oh, I'm just one person and there's so many people and I had my doubts I was like where are they spending the money on blah 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 and then um God gave me I was from Loughborough Uni and God gave me a really strong um calling to come to Nottingham and one of the big visions he gave me was um of me like walking into Nottingham city center with my arms outreached um, and Jesus was walking next to me and he said to me you're here for the people of Nottingham to go out to the streets. And I've been so blessed to like do the internship here. And I'm with Lindsay doing social justice. Um, and so, yeah, I work with, with the team and on Social Hub on Mondays, which is amazing, just to be part of a team which is doing something on a bigger scale. Um, and it's such a blessing to, to work with you guys and to see the people that come in. And, and like Adrian was saying, like these people, and they said to me the other day, and it really touched my heart, they said, whilst there's so much going on in my life, I feel safe here. I feel safe here. And like that's all we can provide, right? A space where God can move. Because uh -huh. we as man can't do much other than provide like physical basic needs. But it's, got, it's a space where God can heal their hearts yeah. and where real salvation can take place. Um, and so, but there's still this heart of mine to actually go out, like... It's so amazing that we have um, people at Grace Church, but I had a really strong vision on the first social hub um, that I worked, that I did here, um, is 
it was Jesus in the middle of the church, and he said, the walls are going down. He said, um, it's going to go. People from the streets, it's not, the church isn't four walls. And that's not what Jesus intended it to be. Whilst it's amazing that we worship together, it's like, no, we're going to go out. We're going to significantly touch this year people that don't know Jesus at all. And um, so my heart and my vision is to actually um, start to go out as a team. Like, I know, I just feel like God's saying to me, there are people on the street which don't feel worthy to come in. in. And it's amazing that we have Social Hub. Um, but I was speaking to Pete and actually a few other people, and they still, they've got the same vision as to, to go out and say, you know what, you're invited, you're invited, you're invited, because we want to help you, and you're welcome to all of these amazing things here, which is so great that we've got this leaflet now. Um, so yeah, that's my vision, and um, if I just want to like encourage anyone, if they do have a heart for this, like, it's so fulfilling. Like, whilst you're helping others, oh my goodness, God fills your heart too. And like, I would just so encourage anyone that has like even a spark of heart for those which are vulnerable, like just to come and volunteer, even if it's just for one time, and just see how God shapes you as well. And the very wonderful other Chris, who helps at our 12 o'clock service. Do you want to tell us how you got roped in? I mean, how you um, (laughs) Um, got involved? I'll do my best to form coherent sentences today. I can't make any promises. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I've been involved in the 12 o'clock service for a while. I can't remember how I actually got involved in it, but I just remember I came along to help Tim out with setting up. And uh, eventually that led to me being a regular member there. And... um, uh, Adrian mentioned that I was his boss uh, and that's because um, I'm now part of the core team along with Lindsay, Pete and Rick who runs the 12 o'clock service which is a, a great privilege to be a, it's a great privilege to serve in that capacity um, as, um, but yeah I'd say um, the two, two main reasons um, why I love to do this because for one thing um, we are called to be uh, ambassadors of Christ uh, as uh, for Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20 says we are ambassadors of Christ and God makes his appeal to people through us and one of the ways in which we can represent uh, Jesus is um, uh, through serving in this way is to uh, just reflect his uh, all accepting all welcoming nature as uh, Lindsay was mentioning we, um, yeah, for, we welcomed uh, the least of these as uh, Matthew says in 25 um, and uh, if you look at in the Bible and the Gospels, um, how uh, Jesus welcomed everyone. Uh, for example, people who are outcasts in society at the time, people like lepers and such. And um, something that I always like to think about is oh, how amazing must that have been for the lepers? How, how must they have felt when they were accepted for the first time, just for who they were by Jesus? Mm-hmm. And uh, you can call me an idealist if you want, but I, I want everybody to feel how those lepers felt. Uh, and that's uh, in that course in the Gospels there. So. Uh, and the 12 o'clock service is a great opportunity to do that. You can welcome people who otherwise might not feel welcomed mm. somewhere else. And um, as it says in uh, Romans 15:7, uh, we, we <laughs> welcome one another as Christ welcomed you. And uh, in some translations, it says accepted. Accept to others as Christ accepted you. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the great ways we can do that. We can accept uh, everybody, no matter what baggage they can. We have to remember that Christ accepted us despite all our, all our baggage, all our transgressions we brought to him. And uh, no matter what transgressions anyone's done in society, whatever they bring, it's, it's nothing compared to the transgressions we've done to God, towards God. And so uh, we need to reflect uh, Jesus in that way by accepting everyone. 
Wow. <laughs> and uh, the second, second uh, main reason I like to serve here is uh, I've been t informed by multiple sources that I have a, a gift for this sort of thing, so thanks. <laughs> Uh, in, the, in, the, in the first letter of Peter, chapter 4, verse 10, it says that we, we should use our gifts to serve one another. And so uh, as, uh, I see this as a great opportunity to use the gifts that God has given me to serve, serve in this way. Amen. Uh, yeah. And, and um, as for the vision, uh, it's uh, grown so much already in just a few months that I've been there. I mean, just a few months ago, we were only expecting between six to ten people to attend regularly. And uh, we completely destroyed that. Now we regularly get uh, at least 20 people coming every week. And we've been saying for weeks that we need to change the number on the form. Uh, have we had this many people coming? And it's finally been changed. So that's good. All right. <laughs> it uh, took a while. I'd like to... Um, what I'd love to see is just uh, see that growing. Uh, one, of the, one of the great cool habits that God has is that he completely destroys all our expectations. And so we can expect like, it to grow and grow, grow, but he'll just smash that by making it grow beyond what we can imagine. And um, uh, I've, something I've been praying for in regards to travel clock service, and, and no, I'm not going to regret it, because I want it to happen. I want to be at a point where I'm struggling to find spaces to seat people, because we haven't got enough spaces. I just want that as many people in possible and we can welcome and accept mm -hmm. regardless of like what space I've got like, I'll have to worry about that when it comes to it but, mm -hmm. but God will provide God will provide and, yeah. and, and um, yeah and uh, of course more baptism as you mentioned we've got some baptism coming up for the Wednesday service which is exciting and we hope that grows more we're, we're hoping to have 30 baptisms that's one of our goals uh, as the uh, 12 o'clock team and I'd love to yeah I'd love, love to see um I'll chat to you later, yeah. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'd love to. I'd love to see God continue to work because uh, it's really, it's been really amazing. This has been such a privilege to see God at work in this service, and as Hannah was saying, it really like grows you as well as mm. you serve in this way. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, that's first word. <laughs> Amazing. Why don't you stand? <clears throat>